Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are taking the first eight verses as our first unit as we break the chapter down into several components. And in this unit, we learn the following, four things. Number one, something to know. Two, something to feel. Three, something to assure. And four, something to guide. Paul, by the Spirit of God, has given us something to know in verse 1, something to feel in verse 2, surprisingly, something to assure in verse 5, and something to guide us in verses 6 through 8. The something to know we've already covered and the something to feel we have covered in part on previous broadcasts. But just to remind you, the something to know has to do with this future body that we believers will have after we lose our our mortal body. For we know, he says in verse 1, that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So he reminds us of something we already know, namely the destructibility of our present body, because we all know that our bodies wear down and our bodies fail. They die, every one of us. That we know, but what we would not know except by divine revelation is that God has planned a permanent body, a heavenly body, an eternal body, and that's the one we are looking forward to, and so that is something to know. As far as something to feel, and that's a little bit strange to to our, our language and understanding, but he says in verse 2, For in this we groan earnestly. And that is a description of a feeling, isn't it? To groan earnestly, to have this inward sense that something's wrong, uneasiness. It's something we feel. It is subjective, but it's very, very real. And what he's talking about in this case is the weight of corruption, the bondage of the curse, the corruption of the flesh, and how we long for deliverance for that. And so in this present state of corruption, we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our heavenly habitation, which he's just informed us about in verse 1. So something to know is that we have a perfect body, a heavenly body, 
a body with no sin, no sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no uneasiness, but presently we feel very much the weight of our of our present corruption. It is very real. It is very troublesome as we think about it, and that, for that reason, we don't want to think about it too long apart from other truth that will cause us to look up in joy and hope. So with that introduction, I welcome you to this Monday, November 28 edition of the Beacon Broadcast, and thank you for your financial support that keeps us teaching God's Word on this station. Well, what to feel? Number one, the weight of corruption, that's verse two, but number two, the vulnerability of depravity, verse three, because verse three goes on to say, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. In other words, our heavenly body clothes our disembodied spirit. We shall not be found naked. We shall not be disembodied spirits forever. Our present corruption makes us very vulnerable because the the house, the the clothing, the shall we say the protection for our spirit, this physical body, is a weak body, a decaying body, a dying body. And so that makes us very vulnerable. And in a sense, it's it's as if we are in danger of being becoming naked when our body, our outward covering, is destroyed, it dies, and we have no more body. We are naked spirits in the language that is used here. And that makes us feel very vulnerable if we understand this and, and feel the truth of it if, it, if it sinks into our souls. And so... Back to verse 2, for in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. So, when we are clothed, we will be no longer naked, but obviously until we are clothed, until we are clothed upon with this body from heaven, not made with hands, it is spiritual, not physical. It is eternal, not temporal. It is indestructible, not not mortal. But until we receive that one, we're going to feel something like nakedness. And then he goes on in talking about things that we feel, feeling the weight of corruption, feeling the vulnerability of, of being unclothed, unprotected, But a third thing, and that is the uncertainty of death, verse 4, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. We do not want to be unclothed. We don't want to lose our bodies that house our spirits. That's not what we're desiring, not at all. But it's inevitable, given the present state of things, the present condition in which our tent, our temporal body, our earthly body exists under this curse of sin and and death. It's going to decay. It's going to die. It's going to leave us unclothed. 
But we're certainly not looking forward to being unclothed, but further clothed. We desire that mortality shall be consumed by life, shall be um, looking for the exact word here, may be swallowed up by life. That's an interesting phrase. That our our present bodies will be our, our present mortality will be swallowed up by immortality might be another way to put it. Our present mortality shall be replaced by immortality. In other words, here's another way of putting it. We don't long for death, but we do long for what comes after death. Now, I say we don't long for death. There there are certainly wonderful promises of what lies beyond death that can cause us almost to long for death. It seems like the Apostle Paul does when he makes it very clear in the Philippian epistle that he would rather depart and be with Christ, which is far better, and yet he's willing to stay, in other words, not to die just yet, in order to minister to them, because that's better for them, more needful for them, more beneficial for them. But if he had his preference, he would rather die. So he seems to be longing for death, but it's not the event of death he's longing for. It's for what comes after, right? Death in itself is a... It's an enemy. The Bible calls it an enemy. So there really is no way to completely eliminate the the um the I'm, I'm i'm trying to think of the right word here the the negative aspects of dying there is a negativeness a very strong negativeness about the act of dying it's not a pretty thing we often hope i suppose many of us that we will die quickly rather than to die a long, agonizing death with a lingering illness, but we really don't make that choice either, do we? But anyway, you look at it, it's a, it's a negative thing to have our life snatched away from us. And if we do linger on a deathbed for any period of time, and we're feeling death itself inching ever closer toward its victory namely the day when death actually occurs and, and we do die. Our mortality actually comes to its conclusion. It's, it's only possible conclusion because of the curse of sin. And as we inch closer and closer to that, we, we don't look forward to that aspect. But we do look forward to the things that God has promised to help us with that. For example, the psalmist said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that seems to be talking about going through the process of dying, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We can count upon the presence of Christ with us during this difficult eventuality, this difficult inevitability of the act of dying. But 
we have the promise of God to assure us, and many many a Christian has has testified to glorious realities even when they were in the act of dying. And there are many such testimonies, and I have witnessed some with my own eyes. I think about my own father when he was dying in the hospital in intensive care with a very unusual condition, lacrosse encephalitis. It turned out to be, they didn't even know that at the time, but lab reports later revealed that that was what had overtaken him. And so he's lying in the hospital, and we can see the evidence that his life is ebbing away. But And, and he couldn't hardly say much of anything, but at one moment he almost sat, he, he kind of pulled himself up in bed. I don't know that he completely sat up in bed, but he pulled himself up, was looking at the ceiling, and said something like, Oh, look, it's so glorious. It's so glorious. What was it? Well, it seems to me that the Lord was allowing him to look into the glories of heaven and to see the heavenly angels and to see the wonders of what took place after death. And and this is not uncommon for the children of God. We hear testimonies like this quite often, and we don't know how many times God's people are given something like this that they don't communicate, sometimes because of drugs that have been given to them to ease their pain and so forth. It makes it difficult to communicate. But God has given many promises, and so even the act of dying is not going to be as awful as it is for an unbeliever who has none of these helps that Christians have. But still, well, let's get right down to it, the actual act of dying is not a pleasant activity to look forward to. But what is beyond is something that we very much look forward to. And so we can look forward to death because of what comes next. And that's what Paul was talking about. He'd rather die and be with Christ. That's what comes next. And that's what Paul is telling us here. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.